0: The following audio is from Summit Church. For more information on Summit Church, visit www.summitonline.tv. Amen, amen. Hey, thank you, Jared, and welcome, everybody. I know it is beautiful outside, but it's also... Uh, kind of a special weekend for a lot of us in Oklahoma, where at least for our Norman campus, over half of our church is in Dallas and making their way back in whatever state they're in. But uh, they are they are having a good time right now because uh, I don't know if you watched a football game yesterday at 11 a.m., but uh, regardless of who you root for, I, it really doesn't matter. That was a game. That was a competition amongst young men who left it all on the field, and it just so happened that the Sooners came out on top. Yes, and so, and for everyone else, I'm sorry. That's just how how it works. Uh I, I joke that I'm not sure my blood pressure has come back down even a little bit uh, from yesterday. That was intense from the first snap until the very, very end. And so uh, a fun game. And But I'm thrilled that you chose to come here today. You had every reason not to, but you're here. If this is one of your first times with us, here, here's what we do as a church. We don't usually talk about college football, uh, just so you know. Uh, but it was kind of unique yesterday. And then second, we, we go through uh, books of the Bible just verse by verse. And We have been in the Gospel of Luke for almost three years, and we have three talks remaining in the Gospel of Luke, and since well over half of our Norman campus is not going to be here this week, I chose to take a pause this week, talk about something that I think honestly impacts all of us, especially those who are a part of the American church? So I, I'll get into that in a moment as to why I mean that. But we're going to take a pause from the Gospel of Luke. Just one week. We'll jump right back in next week, and once again, only three talks left in what's taken us three years to complete. So we're we're getting really really close to the end. But today, let's just let's break. Let's talk. And I want to start with a question, if you don't mind. And, and I want you to think about this for yourself. I want you to honestly allow this to marinate for a moment. I'm going to give you some space to do that. I want this to marinate in your mind, in your heart, wherever you come up with your answer. And here is the question. What do you think, personally, what do you think is the number one thing that God desires from you? And I'm saying right now, October 8th, 2023. One, The number one thing that God desires from you, Today, what do you think that is? Let that marinate for a moment before we start down this rabbit hole that is a good one. What does God want from you? Now, I cannot possibly know what you're thinking or contemplating right now. I can't know that. But I do know, after 20 years of ministry, that there are some things that people assume God desires. One of the ones, for those of you that have a family, just a great family. And that is a wonderful way to honor God. Good marriage, good kids, that's something that I think you should desire and want. If those of you sitting in the room don't have that, that's not where I'm going today, don't worry, we're not not going there, but... Just, I think that's something that many of you may have thought, yeah, that, that, that could be it. Maybe that, um, successful career. And that's, that's not meaning like you, everyone becomes a CEO. That just means that what you're doing right now, you're doing well. But then there's also an element tied to that called money and that you are providing and contributing to your family. There's, there's a lot of joy that comes from that. And I also believe that working hard honors God. So yes, God desires what you're doing with your career, how you're spending your time, how you're providing for yourself and others. And then there's, of course, spiritual answers, right? Like, what does God desire? Well, for me to spend time with him in prayer every day. Yes, he loves that. He absolutely loves if we ever come and And meet with him and talk with him. He desires our worship. And, and that kind of goes into maybe even today. Like you, you're, you're at church. And so maybe I I don't think anyone probably thought this. What is the one thing that God desires for me right now? And I don't think anyone probably went, well, for me to be right here today, but you showed up today. You showed up. and, And I think for some of us, we're like, and God probably appreciates that. And you want to know the honest truth? He does. He loves when we come to worship Him. He loves when we desire to be in His presence. He loves when we connect with others. So yes, absolutely, He desires us to be at church. Some of you may have thought, you know, He wants me to give more hours of my, my life away, like in service or in mission or whatever that looks like. Maybe, maybe if I, I'm just, I'm being a little selfish. He desires more of me. Yeah. Yeah, he loves that. And he absolutely desires that. But that's a perfect transition into what is the answer. And, and I'm not being conceited or arrogant here when I say that there is an answer to this question. And some of you may have gotten there. It doesn't matter if you did or didn't. That's, that's where we're going for the rest of the morning. So we'll get there by the end. But the number one thing that God desires from you today, the number one thing above All others, all other good, 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 good things. Number one thing he desires, your heart. He wants your heart. He wants your affection. And the best way to say it in a way that translates to everyone in this room, he wants to be number one. All these other really good desires for your family, for your career, for success, for service, for prayer, for worship, all of these things, really, really, really good things. The number one thing he desires from you is to be number one in your heart. And that is a constant battle that I found in all people, especially, especially people from more affluent, affluent nations. Because we've got a lot of other stuff that's good that God desires and loves. We've got a lot of other stuff that's good, but it's difficult then because of all these other things to just make sure that he's got the number one place in our heart. Now, the beauty of this, the beauty is that God actually gives us an exact roadmap for how he deals with, deals with our external desires of the heart. He gives us this. Now, it's in Ezekiel chapter 14. And I'm sure that all of you in the last month have read Ezekiel, right? You've all, you've all been through Ezekiel in the last month, so I don't need to give you any context. But Ezekiel is a prophet in the Old Testament that wrote a good chunk of the Old Testament prophecy. God looked at Ezekiel and was like, I need you to be my mouthpiece to my people. And in Ezekiel 14, it's no different. He is clearly, clearly lining out for us how God deals with those who have allowed other desires in their life to get in the way of him. And so in Ezekiel 14, let's just start with verses 1 through 4. That's, that's where we'll begin. If you don't have a Bible, they'll be on the screens. Here's what it says. Some of the elders of Israel... now. Elders are spiritual leaders representing a group of people. Israel, that is the nation of God. That is the Hebrews, the Jews, the Israelites, whatever you want to call them. They are the children of God. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, those who came from that nation. That is who he's talking about. These are God's chosen people. So some of the spiritual leaders from God's chosen people came to me. That's Ezekiel. A major prophet in the Old Testament. They sat down in front of me, but before they could even ask what they wanted to ask, here's what happened. The word of the Lord came to me and said this. So God invades this meeting and says this. Son of man, these men, these elders, they've set up idols in their hearts. Okay, they've placed idols in their hearts, and they put wicked stumbling blocks before their faces. Now, wicked stumbling blocks is a little difficult to translate. It could mean ungodly truths or desires. I think it means both, but there's a huge debate as to what that means. So what it, what it's saying is they have idols in their hearts, which we will unpack here in a moment, and they also have a misunderstanding of what it means to pursue God. And I'm not trying to pile on today. I'm really not. But that's a great, great description of the American church. They've got some heart issues, but they've also then created some false truths and desires. It's like, well, this is clearly still God-honoring, even if it doesn't allow me to place God number one. And so here's what God asks Ezekiel. This is the creator of the universe asking a man a question. Now, if I am Ezekiel, I am not super elated about the God of the universe asking me a question. I'm like, I'm Ezekiel, you're God. I don't know how you get to ask me a question. But if you want to ask me, here it goes. He asks, should I let them inquire of me at all? Now, here's the whole picture. God is stepping in and saying, these religious leaders are coming to you, the prophet, to speak to me and ask me a question. We would call that prayer. Okay, that's what we would call that. To ask is to pray. So there's a group of religious leaders coming on behalf of a group of people to the prophet. Because remember, this is a couple hundred years before Jesus And the cross has not allowed for Jesus to be our mediator between man and God. So man cannot get directly to God. They have to go through... Typically, Jerusalem, the temple, go into the presence of God, ask a priest to offer up a prayer for them. But these men have become aware. There's a few select people, way just a few throughout history, who have direct communication to God. God speaks through them. So these religious leaders, these elders, they come to Ezekiel and they say, Can you make this request to God for us and then let us know what he says? That's where we're at right now. And before they even get to make their request, God goes, no, no, they got idols. That's a problem. They've got idols. So I'm not super concerned with their inquiries right now. I want to discuss what's going on in their heart. And then he asks Ezekiel, should I let them even inquire me? Should I let them speak to me? Before Ezekiel had to answer, this is God being graceful. Look what happens next. Therefore, God says to them, Speak to them and tell them this. This is what the sovereign Lord says. When an Israelite, when a child of God sets up idols in his heart or puts a wicked stumbling block before his face and then goes to a prophet, instead of speaking through the prophet, I, the Lord, will answer that person myself in keeping with his great idolatry. Now, that's super small, but it's super important. Here's what the God of the universe chooses to do when someone who is supposed to, supposed to desire him number one. Now, if that's not you, if you're sitting here today going like, I just got invited. I don't know what you're talking about. This is, this is, this is a lot for me. If, if you need some time to figure out, is God and you or you and Jesus, like, is that going to happen? This is a safe place to journey for many, 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 many weeks, months, years and do that. But if you're sitting here today going, yeah, I'm I'm someone who claims Jesus, then I want you to understand what has just been stated here. If you claim to be a follower of God and you have a desire in your heart, you have a desire in your heart, you have an idol in your heart, you have something that allows that to be greater than God. If you go to God and say you just want to ask him like, hey, I got a sick kid. Can, can we, can we talk about my sick kid? He goes, absolutely we can. I would love to heal your child. Here's the problem. I care more about your heart. So let's talk about your heart first. So when you come to me, when you're the one who started the conversation, you came to me and all I really care about at the end of the day is your heart. I want to deal with it first and then we'll talk about your sick child. And you're going, that is a jerk move, right? I intentionally use that example so that anyone in here with kids is like, that's not how God would possibly respond to that. That's, that's exactly how he'd respond to it. Because when a person comes to God with an idol in their heart, God will not give them direction. He will not step into that situation. He will only speak about that idol. Why? Because God desires your heart. Why is it so important? Because that's everything. Idolatry begins with a great desire. We we don't just all set out to be idolaters. We don't we don't think oh this is this would be fun. I'm just going to do some idolatry today. It'll be my it'll be my Thursday. We don't we don't set out like that. It starts with very healthy things. We want success, status, money, physical body that can become an idol very easily. Safety. I, I see this one more than. More than I used to, just wanting to create this cocoon of safety and demanding it, demanding that God makes everything right in our life that, that steps directly into the next one, an easy life i I want things to work my way, and i don 't necessarily want to work for them, one big one, especially especially for younger people, relationships. Hey, I know that this isn't honoring to God, I know that he wants me to get rid of this person, but you know what? At the end of the day, they make me happy. So what is an idol? Here's a good definition. It'll be on the screen. An idol or idolatry occurs when a desire becomes non-negotiable. I'm going to walk back through that list, and I, I want you to see how all of these things can be good, and then they can become idols. Relationships, good, but they can become an idol. An easy life, good. Good. Who doesn't want a relatively easy life? It's good, but it can become an idol. Safety can become an idol. Your image, your body image can become an idol. Money, who Jesus talks about that one a lot. That can easily become an idol. I will do whatever you want, Jesus, as long as I got enough money in the bank account. But if that if that starts to get a little low, then we're going to start to get a little off. And I'm going to just come to you talking about that because you were supposed to provide that for me. Status, success, all of them. In my opinion, after 20 years of ministry, for adults, I'm saying just the general demographic in this room, the two biggest idols that we struggle with are money and ease. Money and ease. Money produces so much other stuff that kind of encapsulate some of these it can be seen as the way we measure success it can be seen as our status it can produce that easy life but money it's i god i will follow you as long as this is there but then for me this is just me personally and i see this in a lot of people not everyone but i see this in a lot of people ease it's god i will do whatever you need me to do as long as it fits my schedule did that step on any toes God, you, you can you can ask anything of me, but just so you know, it's not going to work for two weeks. Because we got a lot of stuff going on that we're going to do, and I'm going to make sure that my life is easy, and my life is done first, and then I will fit you in. We do this all the time. And I, I want you to hear this. When idolatry rules the heart of a person, Okay, So when we have a desire that's become non-negotiable, it's just, God, it's off limits. We're not going to talk about that. When idolatry rules the heart of a person, they no longer desire an omnipotent, sovereign, loving creator of the universe who gives as he sees fit. We don't want that kind of God. We don't want a God that controls our life. We want to control at least that one area of our life. We don't want an omnipotent, sovereign, loving creator of the universe who gives to us as he sees fit, which, by the way, the Bible says is for our good. We don't want that. Instead, What we want is a divine waiter to fetch the desires of our heart. And when we have an idol set up in our heart, that's exactly how we start to treat God. Excuse me, sir. Sir. I I need this. Hello? Hello, over here, over here. Um, I, I was expecting this minutes ago, and it's not here yet, so I... Can you just can you go ahead and can you go ahead and make sure that's your top priority? God's not a waiter that bends to our every whim. He's good and loving and kind. And he will give us many things that we desire in our heart but those desires cannot become idols.